If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today on Horse Chats, we've got David Nash. Now, David is a nutritionist for Kentucky Equine Research, and we've had Peter Huntington on before, who's been a representative of Kentucky Equine Research and given us lots of information about nutrition and horses and horse care. David has got a background with Australian stock horses, so we're going to talk to him about that as well. But before we do that, I just want to remind you about the values of International Horse College. Horse welfare and safety are about most importance when humans have any interaction with horses. Within our courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. And we only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers in all our courses. Have a look now, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Now, David, are you there? Yep, sure. Brilliant. So, David, we're going to talk to you today a little bit about nutrition, uh, a little bit about the work that you do at uh, Kentucky Equine Research, and also a little bit about your stock horse background. But before we even get started, and this is for our listeners, they like to know, you know, who we're talking to. And often, if someone's got a favourite quote or something that, you know, say again and again, or if they're teaching or whatever... It gets to know the person a little bit more. So have you got a quote that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, there's, there's one from Charlie Maxey, and it's, it's, you know, people know the books of um, about the boy and the horse and the mole, and um, it talks about the boy says, oh, we've got so far, far to go, and the horse responds, but look how far we've come. And I think for me, when I get into a, a situation, you go, you know, all's lost, you know, we haven't achieved anything, and when you actually reflect back, you you realise how far you've come in your life or the task. Or you know, when I'm working with horses, you get frustrated, and then you have that day and look back to where you started, and you went, "We actually have come a long way." Mm, mm, mm. I know. You know, working with horses, sometimes you feel like you're plateauing, but what you're doing is just confirming that work that you've um, done beforehand. Yeah. Yep, that's why. All right. Now, David, your work as a nutritionist, why did you move into that field? What brought that on? You know, you've obviously had a background with horses, but what brought that on to get started in nutrition? Yeah. So I still remember I was probably about 12 or 13 and I took over the feed when I was home. Like, we grew up with stock horses and quarter horses, so we always had 10 or 20 horses um, in work or breeding, and I just fell into the love of wanting to feed the horses and knowing what what was going on with my horses. So, and I was always quite inquisitive. So, you know, my parents and grandparents guided me into the science background. So, understanding why things were occurring that was my natural habit. So, after I I graduated. Uh, university, I did a degree in microbiology, mm-hmm. so looking inside things and working out what they do, uh, I actually got a job with the Department of Agriculture researching equine nutrition, so I, I sort of fell into 
the perfect job because I never found it work. It was just doing doing something you love. So I'm one of those few that has that job that I don't actually I actually get paid for doing something I, I really like. Yeah, so something you'd be doing anywhere. I think that's one thing about the horse industry is that um, a lot of horse professionals, you know, they do, they just say, well, I'm doing something that I would be doing even if I wasn't a professional. I would still be doing this. Yeah. David, the stock horses, you said the family's always had stock horses. Tell us a little bit about the stock horses and, you know, your upbringing with them and what you do with your stock horses now. Yep, so my parents were involved with the stock horses since they started in 71, so next year we're celebrating 50 years, um, so that will be quite good for the society. Um, I think they were drawn into the stock horses because they're just a versatile horse, and back in the 70s, you didn't have your hack, your show jumper, your camp drafter, your novelty horse, you had one horse. Yep. And of course, we were able to do all that. So for us, me growing up, you know, you want to do every every show, every class, every event, and that was the horses we had. So we we didn't have any specialised horses. So for me, growing up, we did lots of youth events and then went to uni and, you know, sort of lost touch a bit with the horses because you can't afford it when you're actually studying university. Sure. And now we're... My wife, my wife and I breed our own Australian stock horses, and mm-hmm. we compete them, train them, and promote them. So it's it's what what we do. It's part of our life. So you know, we start in the morning with the horses, we go to work and talk horses, and then we farm and do horses. So it's yeah. So you're you're working, you're doing something at work that you'd you know be doing anyway. You come home and do pretty much the same thing. What do you think is the best thing about working in the horse industry? I, I think it's seeing the progression of your work. And for me, that's seeing a problem horse um, talking nutrition and they've had issues with the horse and working with the customer all the way through and actually getting that photo or seeing that horse in real life and seeing it improve or recover or perform. And I think that's the same for my riding horse. Simply you breed them, you see them as foals and you work with them and, you know, they can win at the Nationals or even just do something really good at home, mm-hmm. that's, that's the satisfaction you get. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about your favourite quote. It's sort of being reflected already in what you're saying, you know, coming a long way and just keep going back and seeing it, but look how far we've come. And you seeing that progression as well, it just reflects that. Thinking about other people working in the horse industry and people that are thinking about getting into the horse industry. Knowledge aside, because we're going to pick that up, knowledge and skills, but the character traits that that person needs to be. You know, what sort of core skills, character traits, what type of person do people need to be if they're going to work in the horse industry? I think number one patience. And that doesn't if you're dealing with horse or a horse person and, and the ability to listen. And when I'm talking with a, a customer, it, it's not what they actually tell you, it's what they don't tell you sometimes. And you have to decipher that, that actually glean on the information you need to be able to assist that person. So I think patience, perseverance, 
and calm enough. I mean, if the horses are fear and flight, so if you, you're rambunctious and you, you're quite quick and loud and aggressive, you won't get the best out of the animal. And I think that's the same, you won't get the best out of the horse person. So for whether you're a trainer or a clinician or just a horse enthusiast, I think it's just being patient, calm and metered around your animals and mm-hmm. around your horse people. I think that's that's fit for them. Okay. And then, yeah, I'm sure you would have come across it quite a bit. You know, you see young people, and they start off as a competitor. You know, they come out and they might have, you know, similar background to you where they've got a family that have got stock horses or or they could be someone who just this is their first horse and they happen to get a stock horse and then they've, you know, gone out and decided to show it or, you know, they've had other influences or they've had a variety of stock horses. But then if you look at, say, a group of 10 or 20 competitors and you think if I was going to choose one, that was going to go on and be, you know, a national level competitor at a higher level. How would you choose that? You know, just thinking about you might know 20 competitors now as a young person, but you think, I think that person will keep going, that person will do well. What are you looking for within that person? Naturally, I'm a little bit of an introvert, so I'm probably looking for that sort of person that's quiet, that's Spend that extra little bit of time with their horse, and everything's in slow motion. You, you look at those top riders, it doesn't matter if they're elite dressage, show jumping, camp after stock horse riders, everything's in slow motion. So you, you see that that person that just has that ability to be slow with their hands, their legs, that they seem to achieve more. But what you'll see out in the, the field is that. You know, they just start a little bit longer. They look after their horse. They don't expect anyone else to to manage their horse, look after their horse. And you see those some of those kids. And we actually have our youth nationals coming up in September. Cross our fingers. And you see a lot of those kids, and, and they distinguish themselves. And what I found over the years is become your your elite trainers. And we've got in the stock horse industry, but a group of those 25 to 35-year-old people who've grown up a bit and they're riding a bit. Their horsemanship ability is fantastic. It's something that's sitting being all of. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Thinking about all the horses that you've had, if you're going to have one horse that was a bit of a standout, what horse would you would you choose? <sighs> I'll 
get in trouble here because I've got too many favourites. But <laughs> from my past, I had a, a I had a mare called Quambi Myra. Mm-hmm. She was a stock horse, quarter horse cross, so still registered. She took me and my brother to the top. She was multinationals. She ended up being a Hall of Fame horse in the quarter horses and won the Stock Horses Prince of Wales Award twice and I think runner up a couple of times. So she taught me a lot. And my current horse, well, probably passed out to that's the benchmark of my breeding program. And, you know, he won nationals in multi, multi events, you know, and was pretty, pretty dominant in Victorian scenes. The Stock Horses winning the high point. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Or so times as well. So then my two standout horses taught me a lot in my riding. David, what about people? You know, you've had your parents who had horses, and I'm sure they taught you a lot. Is there anyone else that you'd like to mention that you could say, well, you know, I really learnt a lot from this person, or do you think it was mainly your parents who taught you? No, um being a scientist, you're sort of that hunter and gatherer of information. So growing up, um, there was a couple called Dick and Trish Box or Trish Wetnell now. Mm-hmm. Um, they were quite instrumental in my young career. Trish was really instrumental in my gap year to make sure that I didn't learn that I went to because she me to get an education like my parents. And then if I wanted to become a horse professional, come back with that sort of backgrounding. Um, modern day, people like Marie Tonkinson, mm-hmm. you know, she's not in my field, but I've had lessons with Marie and just her whole outlook on life that, and about how she prepares, how she approaches each horse. There's always a forward momentum a progression with the horse, and that's something I admire. So just sort of two people, and then, you know, I've got friends like Matthew Hartz, that's one of the best photographers in the country, and just watching him with the young horses and how I can be softer and calm with my hands and my legs and actually getting more out of my horse, it's, it's really good. that you, you can lean on different people and talk a horse when you're not on the when you're not on a horse, actually learn and progress. Okay, okay. Now, thinking about the horse industry in general, you know, and where, you know, you've got to be as a nutritionist and um, and also with your own horses. And so that our listeners can learn, we, we count money out of it because, you know, there's everyone's got money challenges. But what would be your biggest challenge on being where you are now, both as a nutritionist and within your a success being a stock horse breeder and trainer and competitor? I, I think it's time. Okay. It's, you know, we're all time poor. We, we travel into work. Um, I, with the nutrition, I'm surrounded by a bunch of people that, know a lot about nutrition and if they don't we can we have the contacts to find so that that's fantastic now and the advent of um, the internet we mm-hmm. can actually um, talk to and correspond with 
people across the world. So I don't think that's too much of a challenge now. But just ensuring that you can you actually meet with people to progress on the nutrition side or on the equestrian side is is making sure you've got enough time because if you rush things, things go wrong. If you, if you jump a step in any in technical or equestrian, it often finds you out later, later okay. down the track. So okay. making sure you, you've got time to actually be right. Yep, yep, yep. Thinking also too that you know you're out and about and you see things. If you're going to give our listeners a lesson on what they can do to improve the nutrition on their horse, what's a common fault you see? Because people are trying to do the right thing. They want to do the right thing. They want to feed their horse correctly. They want to do the right thing by the horse. But what's a common fault that you see? And um, can you tell us a little bit about fixing it as well? And this is in the area of nutrition. Yep, sure. I think people often love their horses to death, if you the pun. I mean, we, we try to take care of them too much. Mm-hmm. So overfeeding is a big issue with humans and horses, so obesity is an issue. I think the common misconception is not paying enough attention or to the actual pasture and that the natural resources are providing the horse. So... Obviously, for us in Victoria, we're in Victoria. This year, we've had a quite a, a wet, wet autumn. So we've actually had an autumn break. So the amount of sugar in the pastures is quite dramatic because we've had sunshine. So people are underestimating what the nutritional value of the pasture is, and they're not adjusting the rest of their feeding regime. So I think being aware of horses are, are eating. And what's in the rough edges is really important. And then actually knowing what's on the back of the bag that if they are feeding a, a prepared feed and ensuring that's actually the right type of feed for them. Sometimes a big issue I see is they're feeding a feed that's designed to be fed at four or five kilos a day and they're feeding it at one kilo a day. So they're actually not getting the full benefit of what that feed was designed for. Okay. So really following the guidelines, and I know that Kerr has a on their website, you know, where people can ask questions and get a bit more advice in that area. Is that still available? Yep, that's available. We yeah. have, we've got one, two, we've got six nutritionists, nutrition advisors in Australia. So yep. You can email us, we can advise you. On the type of feeds, we have a really good database on pastures. So mm-hmm. if you don't have a pasture test, we can sort of give you a good idea of what's going on in your area. Yep. And, yep. and, and then help you balance that diet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, a similar question, but with stock horses, with you as a competitor, what do you see other competitors mm-hmm. doing? And you just shake your head and go, oh, they could be doing it better. I can't teach everyone, you know, but. If they knew this, that would improve the horse, horse's behaviour or something when you're out. What do you see again and again when you're out competing that you'd like to tell everyone about that this is the way that you can have a better relationship with your horse, a better competitive advantage, a better, yeah, better anything? I'm sure you've got a million tips, but, you know, just one or two that we can, that our listeners can take away. Yeah, I I think 
one thing is when you're out in the practice pen is just sit and watch people. And Mm -hmm. I think learning sometimes what not to do is they're working their horse too hard or they're not giving that that reward back after they're holding the horse. On the competitive side, and this is something I learned growing up in the youth category, is riding your pattern differently. And being a judge as well, see someone says ride to a if it says trot or canter there or stop here, you're losing that many points by not doing it accurately. Okay. And the best horse might win always because they've rode a messy pattern. Yeah, I'm just thinking about, yeah, you know, riding dressage and and I know how important the accuracy is there. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now, what are you looking for? What are you doing at the moment? You know, thinking about what are you doing in the next 12 months, two years, um, you know, you're working at Kentucky Equine Research. What's Kentucky Equine Research doing Mm -hmm. in the next 12 months, two years, five years? What have they got? in their plans moving forward that you'd be going along with? Yeah, so my subtitle is Director of Nutrition Technology. So as part of that, we're looking at digital programs where we can actually link more integrated exactly what the horse is doing and relate that back to the horse's diet. Okay. And this gives not only owners a benefit, but also the, the nutritionists that we work with. So... We work with about 30 different feed companies around the world, so I'm helping their nutritionists formulate the best feed they can for their environment as well, as well as doing some research on performance and recovery of animals that's really high on our list, Mm -hmm. and just gathering all the information around the world and working out where the – trying to decide where the whole industry is going as as a global perspective, and then of different areas, so the Australians can find out what the Europeans are doing, what the Americans are doing, see if there's anything new and exciting coming out of there. Okay. All right. Well, we certainly look forward to, um, you know, learning a little bit more about that and looking forward to catching up with you again, David. But, David, if people would like to contact you, and I know that they can look on the uh, Kentucky Equine Research mm-hmm. website, is that ker.com? That's correct. Yeah, and if they have any specific questions for you, what's the best way to contact you? Um, it's at my email, which is dmashkr.com. Okay. okay. Or they can call my mobile, I guess, as well. Okay. And my mobile's 0419-342-818. Perfect. All right, David. Well, look, what we'll do is we'll put those contact details on your page at Horse Chats, which will be horsechats.com slash David Nash. Or if you'd like, you can go to horsechats.com, search for David or search for Nash, and you'll find those details. Um, David, thank you for coming on. Thanks for telling us also too, and it's nice to know that you're not, I won't say just a nutritionist because just a nutritionist still, you know, deserves a high, it's a high degree of skill and it's a specialist area, but you're also a, a stock horse breeder competitor, and I think that's important too, you know, knowing that you're sort of, you know, you're on the ground doing stuff as well as, um, I suppose, in the lab doing stuff. So it's great to have that combination. Um, yep. Yeah, very good to talk to you, David. All right, look, thank you. And um, hopefully we'll catch up with you again soon. And if people would like to contact David, just go to horsechats.com, search for David, search for Nash. You'll find those contact details. And um, we'll chat to you again soon, David. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. 
If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.